You're listening to audio from Liberty Church in the Harrisburg-Camp Hill area of Pennsylvania. For more information, please visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org. Good morning. My name is Cameron Lawson, and I'm the pastoral resident here at Liberty Church Newtown Square. Our scripture this morning comes from Psalm 13. Our title of the sermon this morning is From Pain to Praise. This morning, in this morning's message, I want you to know that even in great times of pain and anguish, you can reflect on the promises of God and know that there's a purpose for that pain. And from that, you can go from pain to praise. Once again, our title this morning is From Pain to Praise. And I want you all to know that even in times of great pain and anguish, you can, you can know and be sure that there's a purpose for that pain. And if ever you have any doubt that there's any purpose for that pain, you can reflect on the promises of God and take comfort in that. And you can go from pain to praise. Our scripture this morning once again comes from Psalm 13. If you have your Bibles in front of you or if you're using uh, any type of digital device, uh, you can feel free to read along with me. Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, to the choir master, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Psalm, that is Psalm 13. Thank God for life, right? Life is a beautiful thing. This earth, this world, this creation, it's all really beautiful. I mean, really, take a look around. The trees, the flowers, the birds, the water, all the animals. Take a look at yourselves. Human beings are beautifully and wonderfully made. I'm going to make a few assumptions here by saying that everyone watching has friends and family. Some of us have spouses that we love. Some of us have children that we love. Some of us have great jobs and roofs over our heads. I imagine everyone has clothes on their backs. Life is good, and it was made for us to enjoy. It's a beautiful thing. But life can also be hard. And I'm not talking about bad day hard. You know, got a flat tire, had a long day at work, or maybe people were just really annoying. Yes, sometimes things like that can be hard. But when I say life can be hard, I mean, life can really be hard sometimes. Downright sorrowful. 
pretty sure we all can agree. We probably all have at one point in our lives dealt with and felt the pain and sting of heartbreak. Maybe it was the loss of a loved one. Maybe it was guilt and shame that made you feel sorrow. Maybe it was depression caused by this quarantine and pandemic. Yes, this is the kind of hard that I am talking about. Rock bottom. We all have been there or will be there one day. And when we hit rock bottom, it can seem in those moments that there is nothing good that can come out of it. It can seem like it will never end. And it can seem like there is no one that you can depend on and trust. But what if I told you that there is something good that comes out of this place in life? What if I told you that even when you are at rock bottom, there is someone you can count on and there is someone you can trust? Once again, as we look at the text this morning, there are three points. The pain, the purpose, and the promise. The pain, the purpose, and the promise. The pain. Our scripture this morning is a psalm, and in particular, a psalm of David. Even more in particular, a psalm of sorrow and lament. It begins with these words, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? It's clear to see that David is, as David is writing this psalm, he's feeling great sorrow and pain. Now, King David is one of the most popular and prominent figures in the Bible. We won't read it today, but if you have time soon, take a look at and read the books of 1st and 2nd Samuel, and you will see why. David had a good life. He was king after all. A king that started off a shepherd boy and was chosen by God to lead his people. He killed Goliath and won hundreds of battles. He had wives and children, and he reigned peacefully over Israel for 33 years. God loved and favored King David greatly. King David loved and served God his entire life. But David also felt great pain and sorrow. And this psalm in particular is about that sorrow. The king he loved and served for many years grew jealous of him and tried to kill him. His best friend was killed. He suffered the death of an infant child. One of his sons raped his daughter. He felt guilt and shame after sleeping with another man's wife and having her husband killed. Even his own son tried to kill him. Now, I mention all those things because we don't know why David wrote this psalm in particular. Now, I'm sure that you can understand why any of those things would cause him to feel a tremendous amount of pain. And could probably understand how all these horrible things cause him to say and cry out, How long, O oh Lord? How long shall I have to go through this? How long should I have to suffer? I can imagine why after suffering all these things, David feels like God has forgotten him. But look at verse 1 a little closer. 
Not only does it say, God, will you forget me? But David says, God, will you forget me forever? Not only does he think that it is possible that God has forgotten him, but David thinks that God will forget him forever. First one says, how long will you hide your face from me? Now, when we see this term, hide your face in the Bible, it's a euphemism for God removing his presence from the people of Israel. So every time you hear me say or hear me reference God removing his, hiding his face, it's, it's the same thing as God removing his presence from the people of Israel. I said earlier that God loved King David. Surely God would not hide his face from David. I loved David. After reading verse 1, a couple questions may be ringing off in your head. Why would God hide his face from anyone? The answer is yes. It is true. God did hide his face from the people of Israel sometimes or remove his presence. Ezekiel 39:24 says, according to their uncleanliness, and according to their transgressions, I dealt with them and hid my face from them. Micah 3, 4 says, then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. Instead, he will hide his face from them at that time because they have practiced evil deeds. Deuteronomy 32, 20 says, then he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are perverse generations. Son in whom is no faithfulness. As you can see, God did hide his face from the people of Israel, and it always caused great pain and anguish. But it was usually their sin that caused him to remove his presence or hide his face from them. In fact, it was the sin that God was hiding his face from and not the people. As you can see from this psalm, when God removes his presence from his people, it does cause great pain. Imagine being separated from God's presence. Imagine how you would feel if God took his hand off you. If he took his hand of protection from you. If he took his hand of providence off of you. If he took his hand of guidance off of you. Imagine that anguish and pain that you would feel. That's how David is feeling right now. Verse 2 says, How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? In verse 2, David is still expressing his pain. He mentions taking counsel in his soul, wrestling with his thoughts. We've all been there, right? Trapped in our mind, wrestling inwardly. David also tells us that during this rock, rock bottom period, there are no points in the day that he does not feel sorrow in his heart. But look at that last sentence in verse 2. How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? It seems as a result of God forgetting, it seems as, what, it seems as a result of God forgetting about King David 
in removing his presence from him that David feels like his enemies will get the best of him, possibly dethrone him, maybe even kill him. And it is evident from verses 1 and 2 that David has hit rock bottom. Point two, the purpose. Point two, the purpose. I said earlier that you can be sure that there is purpose in pain. After reading verses one and two, you may be sitting here wondering, what could be the purpose in David's pain? What could be the purpose in my pain? Look at, look at the first sentence in verse three. Consider me and answer me, O Lord my God. Consider and answer me. In this sentence, David is pleading and begging for God to look and answer him. Not only do we see David pleading with God, but there's an urgency in his pleading. In that second stanza, we see the words Lord and God. Both of those words are translated to Yahweh, which is the Hebrew word for God. It is the same word used in Genesis. In the beginning, God or Yahweh created. It's an acknowledgement that God is the creator, the all-powerful God. So in effect, David is pleading with God, the one and only God, but he also says, my God. Not only is David acknowledging who God is, but he is also acknowledging who God is to him personally. You're my God, David is saying. It is safe to say that this pain that David is going through has either reminded him of who God is and who God is to him. This pain has either put or re-put David in a posture where he is solely and completely dependent upon God. Let me pause right there for a moment. Is it possible that the pain that you're going through is to put you in a posture where you are completely dependent upon God. Could it be possible that this pain that you're going through is to put you or re-put you in a posture that reminds you of who God is and who God is to you? Verses three and four are requests. Verse 3 begins the request, consider me, look at me, and answer me. Verse 3 continues, light up my eyes, return joy to me, remove this sorrow from me, remove this pain from me, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. David is pleading for rescue, pleading for salvation. I said that verses 3 and 4 are requests from God, a prayer of requests from God. Requests. Now, when someone requests something, to whom do they request it from? You request stuff from people who are able to fulfill that request. No one asks something of someone who is not able to do it. Your kids ask you for money because you have it. 
And you see, David is pleading for God to end his pain because he knows that God is the only one who can end his pain. He knows that God is the only one who can mend his broken heart. David is pleading because he knows that God is the only one who can restore his joy. God is the only one who can rescue him from his enemies. God is the only way that he will never be shaken. And God is the only one who can grant him salvation. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Verse 5 begins with the word, but, because although David is going through great pain right now, he remembers a promise. If you have your Bibles or if you have it on a digital device, turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 8 through 16. And they read like this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture from following the sheep, that you should be my prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones on the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from your enemies. Moreover, declares the Lord, of, the Lord to you that I will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. And who shall come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall to me be a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men, but my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, who I put away from before you. And your house, and your kingdom, shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. You see, God had made David a promise to give him rest from all his enemies and to make his name great upon the earth. God promised that his steadfast love would never depart from David. But look at God's promise to David a little closer. Before detailing what the promise would hold in the future, God reminded David of all that he had done for him. He said, I took you from a poor shepherd boy who was following sheep to be king over my people. I have already destroyed all your enemies thus far. In other words, God is saying to David, I'm going to make you a promise. And I need you to trust this promise. But in case you have any doubts, let me remind you why you should have none. Because I am the reason you are who you are today. I'm the reason you are king today. 
I'm the reason you are alive today. Friends, some of you may be sitting here going through great pain from any of the reasons that I listed earlier. And when you're going through great pain, it is agonizing. And it can feel like it will never end. It may even feel like God has turned his back on you. But let me, let me remind you, if you are here today watching online, it was God who woke you up this morning. It was God who put those clothes on your back. It was God who put that roof over your head. And it is God who has created, protected, and sustained and provided for you your whole life. Maybe there is someone who is listening who does not believe or is unsure what to believe. But you're dealing with great pain, shame, and guilt, and you don't know why. It's because you're carrying around unconfessing. And God hates sin. It makes him turn his back. But I want you to know that this promise that we read is not just a promise to David. The latter part of that scripture reads, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body. And I will establish his kingdom and he shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall to me be a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. We don't have time to read it now, but the book of Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 begins with these words. The book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Verses 6 through 16 list all of King David's descendants all the way to Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ. Continue on in this chapter and you will read of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, formed by the Holy Spirit in the womb. He came down from heaven to earth. Yes, God hates sin. But I want you to know that he loves you for John's 3.16 reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You don't have to deal with that pain and guilt of sin because Jesus Christ has paid it all. Furthermore, he is the only one that can fix it. He is the only way to salvation. Giving your life to Christ is the only way to get rid of that pain, guilt, shame, and the sting of sin. Give it to Jesus. To those of you who are here who are believers, who are still dealing with pain, God has made you another promise. That same Jesus Christ who died for our sins, he's coming back. And when he comes back, he will rid of us. He will rid us of all pain. The book of Revelation says, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither shall they thirst anymore. 
The sun shall not strike them down, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Friends, this is the promise. Trust God's promises. The pain you feel will not last always. Pain brings clarity and reaffirms our trust in God. Once again, it reminds us of who God is and who God is to us. But we see from verse 6 of our scripture this morning that it also leads to worship. Just like David, it's okay to feel pain and express it. But once you remember the promise, it should turn to praise because that is the only response to redemption. Because we trust God's promises and he has already proven himself faithful. H.B. Charles is quoted as saying, God's people live on promises, not explanations. We can live a long time on a promise because we trust the one who has made the promise. Trust God today. He's already proven himself willing, able, and faithful to his people. Thank you for listening to audio from Liberty Church. To learn more about our church or to listen to previous recordings, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org.